right, good afternoon, everybody out in I guess, social media world right now. We are live with Successfully Chaotic. I'm your host, Maria Daniels, and today I have a special guest running a minute late because we were chatting in the back room, but I love the conversation that we have today, and I'm super excited for my guest, Leslie, to share a little bit about, you know, who she is, her life. She's an author, and you know what? I'm just going to let her introduce herself. So, Leslie, you go ahead and dive in and kind of tell our viewers and our listeners a little bit about yourself. All right, Maria, thank you, and thanks for inviting me here today. Um, I'm a mom. We were talking about some things we have in common. I'm a mom and I'm also um, a teacher. This is my 34th year of teaching. Although after a pandemic, it kind of feels like first year all over again for the last couple of years. Um, And I've written a couple of books um, that I I love to share with folks about uh, some of the struggles I've had and how I've overcome them because... um, had some long, some life lessons that have happened and the like, and um, I'm a teacher. So as I've learned through my own struggles and I've seen other people struggle, I've decided I, I wanted to share beyond my music classroom and share some things through books and speaking. So um, yeah, teacher at heart, teaching music to students in high school for 34 years and then doing other stuff. Well, first of all, congratulations. I can't imagine trying to teach for 34 years. That's a lot of kids. A lot of, a lot. I love kids, but who? that's a lot of kids. But I'm sure that, you know, within, you mentioned struggles. I'm sure within, you know, like most people within their lives, you've had great times, you've had, you know, terrible times. And, you know, all in all, life is definitely a journey. And I know that's something that we hear a lot. And it's so very true. Um, and I, I love that you mentioned you're a mom, you're an author, you teach, you know, you have all these different facets of your life. And I know um, I always send out a questionnaire. So I've read a little bit about, you know, your story. And, you know, there was a part that kind of really touched me that you talked about your friend got ill and kind of your experience with that. And I would love it if you kind of share with our listeners just a little bit about that. Yeah. So if we look back at seven or eight years ago, um, one of my best friend, Lori, was a music teacher in another school here in our school district. We're neighbors. Our kids are the same age. We walk together and stuff. And I uh, got a call from her seven or eight years ago. I had to pull my car over the side of the road. She hadn't been feeling well and she'd gone to the doctor and she called and said, Leslie, it's stage four ovarian cancer. She hadn't felt well and they, you know, but there was always other things to do. And so sometimes we neglect what goes on. And so it was really, really hard to watch her. She fought like crazy for, for several years and she, um, uh, and ended up losing her battle, uh, about three years ago, we just passed the three year anniversary. And the title of my first book is I love my job, but it's killing me. And that was what Lori and I would say all the time. She was going through her cancer and the like, and I had, Oh my gosh, I've been through 14 surgeries, was on dozens of pills a day. Um, I had, I was um, in very poor physical health. My emotional and mental health was not in good shape because I was freaking exhausted. I was burning the candle at both ends and everything else. And it was taking a toll on my mental and physical health and hers. And so we'd sit there and talk at her chemo appointments or in her family room around the, you know, when we're sitting together and talk about how much we loved our jobs and but it was so hard because we threw ourselves into this and doing what was expected. It wasn't 40 hours a week. It was 50, 60 plus, and then our own kids. And, and there was nothing left for us. And we, we just were not doing well. And um, we came to that crossroads and watching what was happening to her just scared me because I knew I would go down that same path because it was, you know, showing up in my body in so many different ways. I was missing months of school sometimes for surgeries or extended illnesses. I was really heavy. Um, everything hurt in my body. And so as I watched her 
progressively get um, get worse and worse. Uh, I my husband helped me make some changes. He introduced me to the idea of acupuncture and some other things, and I took a different path finally instead of pills and other things. And um, my and Lori saw that happening, and she saw over a course of time that my health was changing and and I was getting healthier and and stuff. And she said, Leslie, you got to share with other people what you've done. And so that's how the whole book thing came about. And and I I cannot wait for the day when nobody needs that book or when that title doesn't resonate. But what I'm finding is it's not just teachers who feel, I love my job, but it's killing me. This is happening. I want to say to a lot of folks, but I'm saying women are just burning out. My God, you're, we talked to you and I, Maria, um, that, that a lot of the raising, you know, the primary uh, child issues of care at home and stuff is often our responsibility and the long work hours and all of those things. And we, it's hard. And so that's, I guess, how you and I kind of came to me is through my writing these books about this and trying to t- talk to other folks and, and share what I've learned. I can't solve everybody's problems, but I'd like to share ideas Absolutely. that help others. I love, I, I love that. And, you know, I think, first of all, I, I agree with you. I wish nobody needed that book as much. <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's a wonderful book. And I'm going to get that copy of that book and read it because I would, would really love to do so. But, you know, it is unfortunate that we do find ourselves in these positions where we look around and we're just, we're not happy anymore. We're not fulfilled anymore. We're, we're sick. We're miserable. You know, and, you know, I feel like it happens what seems like very quickly. Um, and we always think, you know, later I will, you know, oh, when this is done, then I'm going to. And, you know, unfortunately for a lot of people, they realize those kind of things too late. And I love that even though there was definitely a loss with losing your friend, that it sounds like to me that she helped to save your life, that she helped to really open up your eyes to some changes that you could make so the rest of your life would have more purpose and more meaning. And, you know, I, I love those kind of stories because, you know, a lot of times, you know, we hear you know, the loss and the, and the sadness and all those kind of things, which is definitely there. Definitely, I'm sure mm-hmm. the hurt still lingers, but there is a beauty to it. There is a, when I'm hearing you talk, I see the beauty in her life through what you have been able to accomplish in your own life. Well, she was a teacher through and through too. And she, she was, you know, always looking out for other people. And, you know, even though she was going through so much in her life, she'd be checking in on me. You know, how was my health? Am I doing all the things I'm telling other people in my book yeah. that they need to do? You know, she was that one that was, you know, even though she was struggling and um, yeah. So she lives on, I dedicated that book to her and I just, I promised her that, you know, I want to do this till no other, nobody else needs it. That's my plan. Absolutely. And, and I, <laughs> I love that. You know, and I think, you know, you mentioned that, you know, your teacher, you mentioned that, and I say, I have friends that are teachers. Um, so I can say this just because I know, you know, their journey and their story that, you know, yeah, you're, you're quote unquote clocking in X amount of hours at the school, which is above and beyond a normal, you know, work day typically. But, you know, I know they worry about their kids as they still call them their kids, you know, they're, and you know, they worry about them all the time because, you know, a, a lot of children don't have um, home lives that we would want all children to have. And that weighs on teachers. There's so many layers to things that weighs on teachers. And, you know, it is it is definitely a profession that I respect uh, and 
admire people who are able to do that day in, day out. I, uh, you know, I was kind of joking before we went on that actually, I think we were alive. I was joking about, oh my goodness, you know, 34 years of teaching kids because, ooh, my kids drive me crazy, but I would lay down my life for my kids. I love mm-hmm. them to death, but they do <laughs> put you over the edge a lot. But I mean, there's, there's such a joy with kids. And you said you teach the, the high school age and um, they're, you know, they're just trying to come out of that childhood and into adulthood and you've kind of got them in an in-between stage and that that has to be kind of a unique situation. <laughs> oh my God. And as a music teacher, so I get them as ninth graders when they come into yeah. high school, you know, those deer in the headlight looks like, oh, what is this all about? And then I get them for four years. So I get to watch them grow those formative years as they, as they try to figure it all out. And then they be, then they need to, you know, all the help at first. And then as they grow and develop and as juniors and seniors, they become the leaders. And I, that's such a joy in that music piece, you know, where, where you get to, to keep them longer for longer periods of time. That's why it's such a joyful, I mean, joyful job. It truly is. Um, it was easy to become obsessed with it because there's so many rewards when you work with kids and they are making music together and in their communities and, and doing all those things. Um, that became addictive, right? Because all the kudos when you do that and then you want to do more stuff, but then you got to do the fundraisers to make it happen. I kind of created my own toxic loop in some ways. And the more we did, the more we were expected to do. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people can relate to that, right? Oh, oh I'd say, it. yeah, I'd say, I'd, I'd say a lot of our listeners, as I mentioned to you in the back room, are, are entrepreneurs, uh, business owners. So, you know, it's funny because people go, oh, you know, because they see this idea of business ownership, like, you know, you're laying by the pool with your laptop, you know, make it up. And I mean, yeah, I think I've done that like like once this year and um it definitely wasn't like it looks like it was kind of like my kids are splashing i'm trying to keep my laptop dry and you know it was that one day that i tried to do that that i realized that yeah that's another one of those things that looks better than it actually is um maybe that's not other people's experience but that was mine with that but it's just it's really funny we end up signing ourselves up for so much responsibility on things and you, you mentioned toxic loop and stuff mm-hmm. and you know I, I think it always comes back to this idea of balancing because you know if you love what you do you want to do it more and more and you mentioned though um earlier on that you know you were getting to the point of just just doing too much and burning the candle at both ends and i think a lot of people get to that point and that's usually when we're like okay i can't do this anymore <laughs> this, there's something that's got to give yes and that's so hard for those of us you know it's hard to decide what do you let go and who do you piss off exactly. i mean sometimes that's the decision because but but when you're saying yes to everybody else all of us that's that's the hard lesson i think all of us get to at some point we finally learn but but it's uh it's really hard for us people pleasers right <laughs> we don't want to upset other people so we'll just say yes to their stuff and then just stay up a little later or get up a little earlier to get that one more task done and um that doesn't serve us but it's hard to say no and Absolutely. yeah yeah, so we have to learn some skills, and that's a lot of what I talk about is how do you make those decisions? How, how do you live with, you know, I'm going to make a decision. Some people might not be okay with it, but ultimately you have to be the, you really sit down and make some, you know, making some hard decisions was what helped me turn around. I had to do a lot of hard work to get out of that situation I was in. I'm still in the same school. I'm still teaching in the same building, but I'm doing it a lot differently now. And um, I had to, you know, make, make um, yeah, some significant changes that I, it, it was that or walk away at that point. And so, you know, I know a lot of folks here probably get to that. And that's, that's a really tough place to be. 
Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of people, they hear the term burnout. And I know I've talked a lot about burnout on my show. And I share probably the biggest moment of burnout for me was, you know, early 2019. You know, I think everybody gets to a certain point where, you know, they're just literally holding it all together. They, they just feel like they're, they're just getting through the day. They're waiting on that magical moment that they've picked down their head where everything's going to line up and be okay and smooth out that doesn't actually exist because it's at, it's it's us that's creating those moments and a lot of times we figure that out the hard way and but you know all in all I think it's it's one of those things that we have to set the boundaries and we have to empower ourselves and I'm giving a hint there for something you're going to talk about we have to empower ourselves to be able to stand up for the things that we believe in and we need and we want and that's not selfish like I think especially for a lot of women a lot of moms particularly you know I had to get to the point where I realized that for me did not mean against them and that was that was a hard lesson you know and I have to tell myself that sometimes for me does not mean against them because Mm -hmm. you know a lot of us were raised by you know, women who, like my mom, for example, she was a martyr to our family. She really was. Like, I'd never seen her do one thing for herself. So us girls kind of picked up that same habit without even realizing it. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of women that are still kind of learning that. And, you know, fortunately, there are a lot of people out there now who have spoken out like you are doing right now to say, no, 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 no. It does not have to be like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to be able to advocate for ourselves, right? We would advocate for our, our children or students or for other people, but um, learning that skill without coming across as being selfish or whatever, because, and who cares what other people think, I guess, at that point is where you have to eventually say, get to. So can you share with us, I, I did give a little hint of empower. Um, can you share with us just a little bit about, it, it's, it's called the empower method, just M and then power. So you can kind of share a little bit about what that is and what that means. Yeah. So when I was writing that first book, I, I did a lot of analyzing of how did I go from being in such a unhealthy physical and mental and emotional space? What were, what did I do to go from where I was to where I ended up being, which was much healthier off of all of the pills I had prescriptions that I'd been on for decades for everything, for anxiety, depression, ADHD, sleeping, pain, anti-inflammatories, all of that. And so I was like, how did I get off of this? How did I turn my life around so drastically so that I'm now in so much better of a place? And Lori was asking me those questions. What are you doing? And so I, I identified four key areas where I made the biggest changes that literally turned my life around. And they all start with the letter M. So uh, the first one being meals. Um, for years, I ate whatever I could eat in between classes or as I was driving from point A to point B, you know what it's like, right? What's the kid got in the car seat that's still edible? Sometimes (laughs) those little goldfish crackers for dinner. And so, and so I wasn't eating super healthy. Uh, Fast food was my friend because it was quick and easy when I was doing all the mom and teacher things. And so I had gotten in some pretty unhealthy eating habits, which I didn't understand until much, I did a lot of research into this. It affects everything. What we eat is so key. I didn't realize I was gluten sensitive until I eliminated gluten for a couple of weeks and suddenly, oh my God, my whole life started changing. My brain fog was lifting. Pain was not so deep, much of my body. And, and I started playing around with other food things and making different food choices. And it was amazing when I was really mindful of the meals I was eating, what an impact it had on my brain and my body. So the meals do matter. And 
what I eat was totally probably different than what your body needs. So it's not about me saying, here's what you should eat to feel healthy. But instead, like in my book for the meal section, I ask a bunch of questions to help you start identifying maybe some food things you might want to look at that impact us. The second piece is movement. I wore a back brace all through high school and middle or middle school and high school. I was not supposed to be active in sports. I have lots of issues with my skeletal system. Um, I've had back surgeries, uh, neck surgery, hip replacement, foot surgeries, lots of other things. So I was not very physically active um, growing up and doing as even as an adult. But uh, when I started getting healthier, I was taught that that's got to be a part of what I do. My joints hurt because they're not, you know, get lubricated by moving around enough and in the right ways. So I had to incorporate movement into my body. Now, I use yoga and walking because I don't like to sweat and I don't like contact sports and I don't like any of that. So that's my kind of movement. My husband's 61 years old. He plays ice hockey He and he does yoga too. So finding the right movement for who, so that I kept doing it, that was key. So it was meals and movement. Um, then music. I'm a music teacher. And so obviously I see it, how music impacts us a lot, but I think whether or not you're a musician per se, I think we all are inherently musicians, but, but if you don't perform on an instrument, you can still use music, making playlists to help you exercise or sleep or get out of a mood or um, all kinds of different music you can listen to, to, to help with mental stuff, to get you fired up for a workout. Um, you can also use music if you play it with other people. So music can be a big part of just keeping you grounded and being a way to express yourself. And we need a, that as humans. So some kind of using music or some kind of art as a way to nurturing ourselves. And then that fourth piece is mindful, being mindful of our approach to what we're doing and the choices we make. That was the big part. I had to first start noticing, oh, I'm eating crap. I just stopped at McDonald's and ate something and now I feel like sick to my stomach. So I had to be mindful of making those connections. And so when I was mindful about the meals, the movement and the music, the ways I use music, man, those were the game changers for me. Um, it, 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 the music piece nurturing my, my need to, my way I could really interact with folks and still do all that. But um, those are some four key areas where, and there's a lot of other things I did too, but, but that's, those are four key places that if you can uh, really find your way in those areas. And I, and I, I call it meals and movement, but let's be honest, it's diet and exercise. I, there's no fancy way to say it. We become what, what we put in our bodies. And I hated to hear that because that means I have to work harder at it and it's more expensive and it doesn't always taste as good. You know, I love sweets, but sugar and me, not such a good combination. I feel better when I don't eat it. So I make choices, but I had to be mindful. I think those are, I think those are some very, you know, tangible ways of kind of breaking it down. You know, yeah, I was like, I was kind of keeping myself from going, yeah, 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 the whole time because um, I don't even know if you know this, but I'm an integrative nutritionist. So nutrition is where it's at. You know, um, I love it. And even I end up working it in because I own a marketing company too. And a lot of times when I get to know my clients, I'll be like, you know what's in that? <laughs> Do you know? Because I'll be like, I have a headache. I have this one. You know what's in that? You know, yeah. you know what's in that? Because it makes such a difference yes. and everything. My 12-year-old's autistic. And, you know, a lot of people who knew him when he was like, you know, four or five, six, he's 12 now, um, he'll be 13 in May, and they can't believe it's the same child. And, you know, he has done yoga. He, I've always, you know, treated him just with nutrition and brain, you know, brain foods. Um, another thing you mentioned, music. We've, I play djembe. 
Um, so we've always done kind of cymatics, you know, type, you know, healing sounds. Like it's mm-hmm. always something that's spoken to him. And, you know, he picked it up from the womb pretty much like just being able to kind of just like you said a lot of people are born musicians I'm a big believer in that too and you know I think a lot of the the, the things that you're saying it's it's something that our bodies are craving our soul is craving and it's just kind of listening to what we need and you know a lot of people look at that as restrictive like oh I have to watch what I eat and I can't stop at McDonald's but you know it's one of those things if you eat correctly you know, you're going, you're going to get to the point, like you said, if you stop at McDonald's, you're going to feel like crap. Your body's going to be like, listen, girl, we've had this discussion before. <laughs> Just talk and, to you. and it will have the last word, won't it? The body will exactly. be like, I'm going to show you. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but pretty soon you're not tempted by that because after you override the old programming and you're like, I don't want that anymore because I don't want to feel shitty. You're sticky. Exactly. <laughs> no, you're good. We, we finish. We finish. Okay. Yeah. Now, my, my five-year-old, she just turned five Monday. She'll say, Mommy, we don't play shit. But... No, you know, I want to go back. You talked about the music and the djembe and stuff. Yeah. One of the things that um, I did in my music classes for our finals, uh, I've done several times, is I've brought in uh, sound bowls. With, I've had yeah. an artist bring in her sound bowls and set them up and have my students just lay on the floor and allow vibration, right? It's, music is yeah. all vibration. Our body is, absorbs the vibration. Yeah. And yeah, so again, those ways that we can incorporate music and healing and just, um, it's, it's all connected. And I think that's been my biggest thing I've learned. I think that society teaches us that everything's disconnected, take a pill to correct this, take a pill to correct this. But how about if we, if we find out that it's all connected and we, through our foods and through the way we treat our bodies, we can eliminate the needs for a lot of the pills or all of them sometimes. Yeah. And the results are so much better. I mean, I was taking all these anti-inflammatories and then I stopped eating the foods that inflamed my body. I didn't need the anti-inflammatories anymore and I didn't hurt and I lost a bunch of weight and I felt better. So uh, it's a process, but it's, it can become addicting once you start to feel better and see that. Absolutely. And, and I love how you said that, that everything is connected. I am a big believer that everything is connected. And, you know, I think that again, you start listening to your body, then you can almost feel the connection with everything else. Like you become more aware of what's going on in your house and your community and nature. And I mean, it sounds silly, but it is so true. You start to listen more, you start to feel more. And, you know, I love that you said it, 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 it use the sound bowls, the singing bowls and stuff, because, you know, I got obsessed with learning more about cymatics just because I started trying to figure out how to help my child, you know, okay, mm-hmm. what is something, you know, that I could help him. He wasn't real good with language, you know, at the beginning. But music, he he spoke music, and he and he was when he was playing, and it's still the same way. But he does he is verbal now, but um, at the time he was not at all. And but he would be a different child while he was playing, or you know, it just it's it's amazing to watch um, a child that has those special needs. They know. It's, it's like he already knew everything was connected. He wasn't real great at verbalizing oh. it yet, but he knew the connection. Where I was the opposite. I could verbalize that I had to learn the connection. He knew the connection and he had to learn the language. Right. But 100%. So can, can you share with everybody um, maybe a little bit about, you, you wrote one book. What's the second book about? Well, the second book is called Love the Job, Lose the Stress. And so I was going to retire in June of 2020 um, at the end of the school year. And so that January, I started writing this book of all the stuff I wanted to share that had helped me go from 
I love my job, but it's killing me to being in a space where I really was in a good mental, physical space and able to serve my students in a joyful way again. And so I wrote that book starting in January of 2020, finished the manuscript on March 3rd, 2020. And then 10 days later, all the schools shut down, of course, COVID starts up. And you want to talk about the stupidest title for a book for a teacher, love the job, lose the stress when we go into emergency online learning. I couldn't change it. The publisher says, oh, no, we've picked it up. You can't. So um, that was a little unnerving. But what I did is I, the, the book is actually about what I, the things I do with my students um, to help. It's for student and teachers, social and emotional health. So it's, our students are dealing with trauma. They're dealing with anxiety and depression at huge rates. There's so much stuff out there that's overwhelming them that how do we help them de-stress and help us de-stress so we can get to the learning? And, and so that's what I taught in that book. And luckily, it's it's very applicable during and after uh, all the pandemic pieces that have gone into play. But it's really about how you take this into your classroom and help help. Um, uh, meet your social and emotional needs of your students and yourselves. And it's, it's all about using our, our breath and our um, uh, tuning into ourselves and being aware of what's going on and getting all that clutter out of our heads so we can make music together so that we can learn together because you can't learn when your brain is thinking about all these other things and you're distracted. So you have to, you know, anyway, so that's what my second book was about. And um, uh my third one, I've got a third one I'm working on now uh, that's going to take it even further because a lot of these things that I've practiced in my classroom through the pandemic have just, I'm so grateful that I had learned this before and that my students and I have done it. And like I told you, I have kids year after year after year, and I can see how this has been so helpful and the kids talk about it. So that's why I want to share it with other teachers because it makes teaching so much easier when you have a plan that you can use with your students to help them get, you know, uh, through, through whatever they're doing so you can get onto content. Absolutely. And, you know, I know I have teenagers. I've, I, have, I have seven children. I saw um, that. My oldest, is, she'll be 23 next month, but, and my youngest just turned five on Monday, so I've got, like, the full spectrum of children. But um, I've gone through, let's see, three teenagers so far. I have one that's 16 right now, so I know teenagers, and their emotions are like, it's like the ocean, right? All over the place. And I love that you're working at breathing and all that, because I think that is such a huge, huge, huge helper. I mean, look at us as adults. I mean, you know, we're quote unquote grown up and we should know what we're doing by now. And half the time we're a hot mess and we're not in that middle of that emotional, you know, growing between child and adult and all the hormones and puberty and all that kind of stuff that goes on. And, you know, we need the breathing. We need somebody to say, listen, girl, you need to calm down. <laughs> Take some breaths. Let's do some yoga. We need that. So I love that you're incorporating into in that into teaching because I think it's so important for them to learn. I wish somebody had taught me at a younger age. I was probably going to be too stubborn to listen, but I wish somebody had tried. Well, it dawned on me finally when I learned that the importance and when I could start to learn to calm myself down and lower my own blood pressure, lower my heart rate, what it felt like, and it, then how much easier it is to do things. I was like, this is too good not to share with students. You know, I teach them all these complicated things on instruments and how to read music and how to play. I thought I could teach them how to breathe, how to breathe and get tuned into their body. So then when we got into playing our instruments, I thought, I bet it'll help them. I had no idea how much it would pay off. I invest four minutes a day at the beginning of every class to get all the kids basically uh, settled in. And then teaching after that is so much easier. So yeah, trying to, you know, sharing, sharing that piece, because, um, you know, we say to kids all the time, pay attention, but we don't teach them how to pay attention. 
And so we can do that through this process. And, and uh, it's just been super valuable. Absolutely. And, and I'm the most chill teacher on the planet now because every hour I get yeah. to spend four minutes just going, hmm, let's breathe, kids. Well, and it, it's good. I mean, and there's so many, you know, physical reasons that's good for your body, mental reasons that's good for your body. And and I bet that they are more in tune with their instruments and playing because mm-hmm. at that point in time, back to everything's connected, you know, they're able to kind of connect with their own body, which then I'm sure translates into their music. Yeah, they can feel the vibrations. Of, I mean, not they're not like, I feel vibration differently, but yeah. suddenly their bodies sense it differently. The sounds around them can be absorbed differently because they're not, it's not chaotic in there, right? They've Absolutely. calmed down the chaos. So now they can receive the new stuff. But other, you know, I, I do it when I do public speaking, I often have a slideshow that I'll do. And I show pictures of my driveway when I was pressure washing it before I was putting the concrete sealer on it. And so it was halfway pressure wash and halfway not and it was pretty gunky on the part that it wasn't and and I said you know our students come into our classrooms and we're we're trained the minute they come in teach bell to bell teach them teach them teach them teach them and it's like they come in like that dirty driveway if I just put the concrete sealer right over the dirt it wouldn't have stuck it wouldn't have done any good it would have been a hot mess but if I took the time to clear off the dirt first and to properly make the space for it then when I put down the concrete sealer it could adhere it could stick there. There was nothing in the way. And so I use that visual and I show that of the, the, the two contrasting pieces of my, or pictures of my driveway, bef- you know, before and after the pressure washing. And I talk about our teenagers' brains. And they come into our classrooms with all of the stuff that they've got in the hallways, on the bus, with their friends, on social media, in their other classes, blah, blah, blah. And now you want them to focus on your stuff. So why not teach them first how to literally calm down, get all that debris out of the way? and then be focused. And I'm telling you, 50, 60, 70 kids at a time, when we do that, the whole energy in the room just becomes different. And I think it's gotta make us healthier when you're lowering your heart rate. We do that, we talk about biometrics. Let's take our heart rate before we do it and after. And they can all say, my heart rate lowers. Okay, that's good for you. It's also changing the hormones that you're shooting out in your body, right? Absolutely. They're easier to work with. I don't have to write discipline referrals, nothing. So anyway, I know I don't know if I'm getting off track here, but no, no, I'm excited talking about all this. <laughs> no, I love it. I mean, I think it's it's again everything is connected. So I mean, all this stuff, you know, goes together, and that's been the big premise of the show. And for people that have been listening for a while, they know, you know, that I am a big believer that everything is connected. Now you can't keep everything in separate boxes. As much as we try to do it, it's like okay, my work life's over here, and my home life's over here, and my my needs are over here they leak into each other at all kind of like flows together. So, you know, I think it's so important to talk about these foundational pieces because, you know, we are our foundational pieces, you know, yes, I am the mother of seven children. I have a husband, I have businesses that I own that have employees. So I have a lot of people that rely on me, but guess what happens if I don't take care of me? Oh, I know what happens. (laughs) Oh, I do too. The whole house of cards collapses, right? (laughs) Well, and then the house of cards will collapse. So, so, yeah. So if you're trying to be the hero and like, oh, I'll take care of everybody else. Well, in the long run, yeah. are you really taking care? I was, when I was in the hospital, what kind of teacher was I? The best lesson plan for a substitute still not going to be as effective as if I could just be there. So I wasn't serving my students when I got so worn out that I couldn't go to school. Wasn't serving my own children. And ultimately I wasn't serving myself. I was, it wasn't, yeah, I wasn't feeling good. No, and, and we can't, even, you know, if we're able to kind of, quote unquote, keep up for a while, we're not showing up as our best selves. If we're, you know, that, that meme goes around all the time. Don't, you can't 
you know, pour from an empty cup. And I've seen that. I probably shared it. I don't know how many times before I actually really understood it. I'm like, yeah, you can't share from an empty cup. And I'm sitting there like with my empty cup, like trying to figure out what's wrong, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, I think a lot of times we don't realize, and I think that's why it's so important to have, you know, friends, family members, accountability partners, coaches, you know, whatever, pick your person, but somebody to notice when you're not okay or you're you know, neglecting your own house, as you said, you know, your own cup, because I think it's one of those things I think that we, in our minds, once we've kind of put up what learned it, we think is we've just learned it forever, that we're not going to need to maintain it, maintenance or whatever. But what I found is that that's something I have to keep myself in check. I am a busyaholic. I know, I know myself. I love to plan things. I love to come up with new things to do. I am that person. I was like, Ooh, that sounds fun. Let's figure out how to try to start a whole other business, a whole other business when I have already too many things on my plate. So I've had to be realistic with myself to set myself guidelines and goals because I know what I'm like when I'm too busy. Now there's, there's a special moment for me. If I don't have things to do, I am far too energetic. I have to have something to do. My mind, I have to, but if I have too much stuff to do, it's the opposite problem. So I think it's important to have those conversations with ourselves to, I, you know, it sounds like they need to listen to your empower points and read your book, because I think those are very tangible first steps for somebody that maybe hasn't taken a close look at what they're doing with their own lives yet. But then, you know, to be able to plan to maintain those things, because I do think there's maintenance that's involved. Has that been your experience? Well, it's, it's creating new habits. And then, and I'll give you an example of this. So, so after I lost 75 pounds, then I'd be conducting my band every day and I would, everything got better except my arms. I'd cut the band off and my arms and jiggle and God, I hated that. I was like, I couldn't get rid of that. And I, I wasn't, like I told you before, very athletic, but I do do my yoga, but I, my arms were still not looking good. So a couple of years ago, it was April 1st. I'm like, I know the only thing I can do to make my arms get better is to start doing some push-ups. But I have no endurance. But I thought I'll do I'll do this. So I did one push up on April first. God, it was hard. I was like, oh, sweating. I thought I was gonna die. And then the ne- I gave myself twenty four hours to recover. And the next day I did two push ups, and they were both really hard. And the third day I did three, and they were all hard. And then on that fourth day, the first push up was a little easier. The others were harder. And I kept going and going. And so by the fifteenth of April, I did fifteen push ups. I was like, yes, I am rocking this. And then on the 16th, I'm thinking there is no way I can add a 16th push-up. I knew 15 was my limit at that point. So I did my 15 push-ups. And then about an hour later, I did another set of 15 push-ups. So I had gone from, so I did 30. And then a few days later, I had a third set. And by the end of April, I did four sets of 15 push-ups. This was three years ago. Um, And then, uh, so I went from barely being able to do one push-up on the first day of April to by the end of the month, I was doing 60 a day in batches of 15. And I was like, this is manageable and doable. I just did them while my coffee was being made or while yeah. I was, something else was going on. It didn't, wasn't a big deal. Didn't add to my to-do list really. Um, and it was small enough increments that it was doable. And then you talk about maintenance. Well, now I did 104 push-ups this morning before I went to school. Cause I kind of got out of the habit when I wasn't, te- when I was teaching online, I got a little lazy yeah. about the morning push-ups. So I had to start over this beginning of this school year. I started with 15 a day again, or 15, four times a day. And so each week I'm adding another one, but it became, a, it's become a habit. So instead of thinking of it, I have to do this or it's maintenance. It's just like, this is a habit for me now is to do those push-ups Cause I feel better when my arms don't jiggle. Just maybe it's vanity, but maybe whatever, but it, 
we all have our thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having our specific things and our specific whys. I think that goes back to, you know, looking at your life and figuring out what do you want it to look like? Because how do you decide what to change without kind of closing your eyes for a moment, imagining where you, you want to be in life? What do you want to feel? And, you know, I think for me, you know, I know what's important to me. I know my values and I know my priorities. Um, my habits are good on most days. You know, the, we all have our things. Like I've never been the person, like I have no problem eating healthy. That's always been something I've done. Even growing up, we ate healthy. We, my, my mom was just a healthy eater. So that's never been, you know, something that I struggled with. But I have always struggled with taking time to rest you know, not overdoing. We all have our things, right? And rest is just as important, if not more so important than a lot of other things that go on because our body needs to replenish. And, right. But I know I have to schedule that stuff in. I have to schedule off days and I try to negotiate with myself, be like, yeah, but you need to get this done. And I have to, you know, sit there and tell myself, no, Maria, this is your rest. <laughs> this is your off day. You're taking off. And that is so hard for me. I have to keep myself accountable on that more than anything. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Yeah, we all have the different, different struggles. And that's part of why I wrote the book was where do you start? And so some, I didn't know where to start for such a long time. I didn't even know. Uh, so I just didn't, I just kept living in that misery because it was just too hard to figure out the first step. Yeah. But once I did and took a first step and then the next one, it became easier, but it's like, teachers don't have time to figure that out. So I'll just help them. I'll write them a lesson plan. I love that. So can you share, share with everybody maybe where they can connect with you where they can find your book at? Sure. Uh, my book's available in bookstores or online through just most book di distributors or through my website. And I have all kinds of stuff on the website, lots of free stuff there too. Um, and it's the letter M and the word powered, mpowerededucator.com. Awesome. And I, like I said, I'm going to definitely get a copy. I'm excited to read it. And if you're listening to this on the podcast platform, we will have a link to Leslie's website in our show notes. That way you can just click and connect it. Go ahead and get both the books. And do you have an email list or something they can sign up for to let them know yep. when the third one's yep. out? They, if they go in there, there's contact information. They can get go. on my list. And yeah, happy to share. And yeah, anybody has questions or want to interact, I answer my own email still. So feel free to reach out. Perfect. I love that. And I suggest you go ahead and go to Leslie's website, M, the letter M, powerededucator.com. Sign up for the newsletter, get you a copy of her couple books that she has out, and take those first steps in changing your life. Leslie, it's been a blast having you on today. I've really enjoyed it, and I wish you luck with getting your new book launched. Thank you, Maria. I appreciate it. All right, so if you're listening to this, we will be back again next week, 2 p.m. Eastern. Thanks a lot.